You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Greetings, Jack David and members of the society. This is your friendly neighborhood, Matt, just um, calling in right about before the end of um, big season 12. Is it season 12? I think it's season 12. I've lost track. It's been a long ride. But uh, I have to say, I really enjoyed last episode with uh, the gray area, which sounds really interesting and super intriguing and yeah, I guess one more podcast to add to this huge, ever-growing list. It's it's great time, but oh my god, so much content. Uh, also, uh, Axe and Crown, hysterical. And I almost think I like it better than Alba Salix. So, well, I think it's, it's kind of the whole Cheers vibe I'm kind of getting from. Or maybe I'm just projecting a Cheers vibe. But, I don't know. All right, well... Have a great uh, episode, and uh, we'll see you. Well, well, I'll call next time. All right. Oh, okay. I promise to try and call it more often. I know. I never call. I never write anymore. So very sad and tragic. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Oh, yeah. Keep on casting. Hi there, and welcome to Sonic Society Season 12, Episode 521. I'm one exhausted host, Jack Ward. And I'm the soon-to-be-relaxing host, David Alt. Uh, Jack, I'm assuming your tiredness is a result of your whirlwind trip to Texas. Right you are, David. Myself, Lothar Tuppen, his lovely wife Jan, and, and Jeffrey Billard all made pilgrimage to West Texas to visit with the family of Bill Holwig and to make our way to help lay our brother to his final rest at the Museum of Robert E. Howard in Cross Plains. It was an emotional and extremely powerful time. Hmm. There's few moments and days in your life that are imprinted in your mind as particularly meaningful and profound. This was one of those times. I know there are lots of folks out there who wanted to be with us and who would have appreciated the opportunity. Because of the family's wishes, we kept the group small and the service intimate. However, what we can share is Bill's love of this medium. Yes, and not to mention our special Thursday's weekly salute to Bill Holwig during our regular Sonic Summerstock season. That's right. This summer, expect two shows a week as we present our regular Tuesday night OTR recreation series with fantastic modern audio drama companies creating shows from the past. And Thursdays with a retrospective of some of the very best Bill Holwig through Broken Sea Audio has to offer. Tonight we have an incredible offering too, as we present Evil Kitten Productions with Midnight Horror's double feature, The Rash, and a spark ignored, right here on the Sonic Society. Ever since I was a child, I took a liking to the dark and sinister side of things. And now, I want to share my nightmares with you. So pull up a chair, turn out the lights, and let the terrors overtake you. Welcome to Midnight Horror. The Rash
Written and narrated by Rachel Craig. Asshole, 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 I said as I threw my purse and keys down onto my living room floor. I immediately headed into the kitchen and opened up the freezer. In a frenzy, I shoved around bags of frozen peas and microwave dinners. Come on, damn it. Where is it? I finally found it. Behind the ice pack. My vodka. I took a swig. Another. Then I reached for a glass and threw in a couple of ice cubes. I checked the fridge for some type of mixer. Nothing. Fuck it. Fuck everything. I took my glass with two ice cubes and the vodka bottle and plopped down on my couch. The weird spot on my leg began throbbing. What was this weird rash? It's gotten bigger and more painful every day. <sighs> I turned on Channel 4 News. Let's see if there's anyone as miserable as I am. Police were notified of yet another bloody nightmare. The bodies of Mr. and Mrs. Ashland were discovered three nights ago. I can't concentrate. I keep playing the events of tonight over and over again in my head, trying to think of what went wrong. Earlier that day, I'd gotten a text from Jason. Hey, Nicole, can we meet up for dinner tonight? I hadn't heard from him in a day or two. Things had been weird and awkward between us, so I was thrilled to actually hear from him. Probably sounding a little too eager, I texted back, Totally! Where at? We met up at this cute burger joint not far from my place. I ordered a whiskey sour and he ordered... water? Huh. That's odd. So, how have you been? I say as I take a swig of my drink and look over the menu. Jason isn't smiling. Uh, look, Nicole, there's not really an easy way to say this, so I'm just going to say it. He takes a sip of water. I think it would be best if we went our separate ways. I feel my heart sink into my stomach, and my rash gives a painful throb. You're... you're breaking up with me? He takes a large gulp of water. Nicole... Let's be honest. You've changed. What do you mean, changed? I finished my drink. Well, come on. Look at you, he said. You're a wreck. You look like you haven't slept in days. When we hang out, you're, you're distant and cold. Every time I try to touch you, you shudder. You're quiet and, like, depressed all the time. I mean... When was the last time you fixed yourself up a bit? Plus, the drinking has gotten out of control. Now my fingers feel numb. What the hell is that supposed to mean? What, like, you don't drink? We drink together all the time. Yeah, but I don't hide liquor bottles in my purse, he said, as he stared at me with those judgmental eyes. I didn't know what to say. I could feel the tears welling up. Well, why can't we just talk about it? I, I can work on it, I said desperately as my rash throbbed even harder. Nicole, I just can't deal with all this right now, okay? I just got an amazing promotion at work, and I can't have this sad, strange girl hanging around me and bringing me down. I've got better things to do with my life than drink myself to death. I was in a rage. 
I was about to yell something ridiculous until our attention was drawn to the bartender suddenly turning up the volume really loud. It was Channel 4 News. I repeat, stay indoors if at all possible. Do not walk alone at night and double-check all doors and windows before going to bed. The whole bar listened quietly for a few moments, then went back to their business. Jason turned back towards me. Listen, Nikki, there's been a lot of weird shit going on here lately. Just stay safe, okay? I got up from the table and threw the rest of his water in his face. Fuck you. I said, my whole body feeling like it was on fire. He just shook his head. <laughs> Have a nice life. And just like that, he was gone. I sat back down and slowly finished my drink, half listening to the news. The anchor was saying something about a high body count. I eventually made my way back home. Now here I am, nursing my vodka bottle and shamefully crying. Finally, I fell asleep. I woke up screaming and my heart beating out of my chest. I felt like I couldn't breathe. <sighs> Another nightmare. Why have I been having so many nightmares lately? began a few months ago. At first they were tame. A flash of blood, an image of a woman screaming. But then they got worse. I would dream of fire and crawling through bugs and dreams like I was running from something. But I could never see what. And people screaming. So much screaming. And each time I'd wake up from the nightmare, my rash looked Bigger. I checked my surroundings. I was still on the couch, the TV still on, and the bottle on the floor. My head was pounding and my left arm was killing me. I rolled up my sleeve. Shit! Another spot! What was this stupid rash? I checked my phone. 6.30 a.m. Only about an hour before I had to get up for work. No use going back to sleep now. I went ahead and turned on the shower. I stripped off my clothes and was about to get in the bathtub, but then I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror. What the... The rash had spread to my hip. Then I looked at my eyes. They were bloodshot, but way more than normal. Maybe I should call out of work. Something was seriously wrong with me. Maybe I was just stressed. Not drinking enough water. Not sleeping enough. Maybe a hot shower would make me feel better. I forgot about my health and stood under the hot water until my hands turned pruney. At least my head had stopped pounding. Although my rash hadn't. Even though it never seemed to work, I slathered more burn cream on it. Then I brewed some extra strong coffee and got dressed. And then I applied more makeup than usual to try to hide this strange affliction all over me.
What? Nicole Myers beat me to work? Well, this is a rare day indeed. <laughs> Ashley said as she walked into our little boutique. Ashley and I had been best friends since college. We always said that one day we would open our own clothing and jewelry shop. So a few years ago, we finally did it. C&M Boutique. After our last names. Of course, Ashley had been doing most of the work. Ever since the nightmares. And the rash. Jesus, are you... Okay? You look... Your eyes! Ashley said as she moved in closer. I turned away. It's... It's no big deal. Um, Jason dumped me last night, and I might have gone a little overboard with the vodka. Ashley's eyes went wide. What? Oh my god, I can't believe he dumped you! What a dick! It's fine. I'm fine. Hey, let's go celebrate my freedom after work tonight, huh? She smiled and squeezed my arm. I winced, but I didn't want to tell her why. You want some coffee? I could run across the street, she said, her giant smile gleaming. Oh, that sounds great, I said. She turned ahead out of the front of the store, and then she gasped. What is it? I said as I ran over. Then I saw it. The front glass door had several bloody handprints all over it, and what looked almost like claw marks? Oh my god, I'm calling the cops! Ashley ran to the back office. All I could do was stare at the blood. I walked closer, and my rash began to throb. The police showed up in just a few minutes. We did a walk through the shop. The blood was just on the outside of the door, so thankfully nothing was wrong on the inside. Ashley was pretty shaken up. Do you think it's him? The murderer? Ma'am, we don't know enough information at this time. We aren't clear if it's one person or multiple people, but we thank you for bringing this to our attention. Please notify us if you see or hear anything further. And be sure not to go anywhere alone. Ashley gave a nervous smile and a nod to the officer. Ma'am? Ma'am? I heard the officer say to me as I came out of my trance. Ma'am, are you all right? Do you need any further assistance? Medical? My rash was burning, but against my better judgment, I shook my head. I'm fine. Thanks. I headed to the back office, and Ashley followed. So? What the fuck, right? I mean, wow, our store? Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel super creeped out, though. I said as I pulled my cardigan tighter. Suddenly, Ashley smiled. You want to just close the shop? Oh, seriously? You, Ashley Chase, you want to close the shop. I barely got you to agree to be closed on Sundays. I know, it's just like, this is like a, a crime scene now, right? The cops are going to be out there taking pictures anyway. I I doubt we'll get any actual customers today. What do you say? We could go get brunch? <gasps> Bloody Marys? My mood elevated immediately at the thought of another drink. Well, you've convinced me. Let's get out of here. We headed to a place pretty far from the shop to get our minds off of it. But 
It never really left my mind. Everything that was happening, all these gruesome murders, along with my nightmares and my rash, something was going on here, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Our server gave us our drinks, and I choked almost all of it right away. Ashley gave me a weird look, so I pushed my drink far away from me. I, uh, I guess I'm just really shaken up, I said. Up? Oh, no, girl! You do you! That was some fucked up shit that just went down! <laughs> she laughed and sipped her drink. Ashley, you're my best friend, so I can talk to you, right? I looked up at her and her smile left her face. Oh my god! Of course! You can talk to me about anything! What's up? I took a deep breath. I know this is going to sound stupid, but I keep getting the feeling that I'm connected to these murders somehow. Ashley furred her brow and took another long sip of her drink. You're right. That does sound stupid, but go on. Well... Ever since the murders began, I've been having these nightmares. They were fuzzy at first, but they've gotten more and more vivid as these past weeks have gone on. Sometimes I'm watching people get killed, and sometimes I'm the one doing the killing. When Jason would sleep over, he said that I'd twitch and breathe heavily while I slept, and it freaked him out. And then there's this. I rolled up my sleeve to show the dark, scaly skin that now covered most of my arm. This rash began about the same time when the nightmares did, and it keeps getting bigger. Ashley stared at my arm and subconsciously began scratching her own. For a moment, she was speechless. Well, maybe that's your anxiety acting up? I mean, there's a fucking murderer in our town. Of course you're going to start reacting in a weird way. I mean, you don't think I've been having nightmares, too? I looked up at her. Have you? I said. I mean, well, no, not yet. But I'm still really freaked out. I've just been trying not to think about it, you know? I mean, maybe it's all the extra drinking you've been doing lately? What the hell, Ashley? I'm trying to open up to you here. I'm sorry, I just... I don't know what's going on with you, okay? I mean, shit, our shop got attacked. I'm scared out of my mind, but I can't go around freaking out about it all the time. Otherwise, I wouldn't leave the house. I I just want everything to be normal again. Ashley began to cry. Ash, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. It's fine. I'm going to the bathroom. She got up from the table so fast that she almost knocked it over. I put my face in my hands. I had never felt so lost. Suddenly I heard a chime. I looked up and saw Ashley had left her phone on the table. It was a text from Jason. What was Jason doing texting Ashley? We had all hung out together before, sure, but I didn't think they were friends. I know I shouldn't, but I picked up the phone and tried the passcode. Just as I thought, her birthday opened it right up. I looked up to make sure she was still in the bathroom. Then I opened the text. Yeah, come over around nine. Wear something sexy. Winky face. 
I could feel the rash violently throb all over my body. I scrolled up and up. They had been talking for weeks. In fact, the first text was dated right around when the nightmares began. I threw some cash on the table and left as quickly as I could. I couldn't stand to look Ashley in the face. I began walking, almost running. I didn't know where I was going or what I was going to do. I just had to get away. I stopped by a liquor store and bought a bottle of vodka. I wasn't three steps out of the store before I cracked it open and began gulping it down. My friend. My best friend. How could she? All this time. It was dusk, and I found myself stumbling into a park. I weaved in and out of trees as I took several more swigs from the bottle. I could feel my heart beating out of my chest and I could barely breathe. Was I having a panic attack? I didn't care. My entire body burned. I plopped down under a tree and closed my eyes. Images of blood danced through my head. I must have fallen asleep, because when I woke up it was dark. My head was pounding. I sat up and my stomach was killing me. I immediately threw up. As I regained composure, I realized the bottle was still in my hand, so I threw it against the tree and watched it shatter everywhere. Kind of reminds me of how my life is going right now. Suddenly, I could hear screaming off in the distance. Holy shit! Could it be him? The murderer? Maybe there was a reason I ended up in this park. Maybe I am connected to him somehow. I knew it wasn't smart, but I had to find out. I struggled to stand, but once I got to my feet, I ran towards the commotion. I rushed out of the trees and into the clearing. I saw a small group of people huddled around something by the baseball field. I ran as fast as I could. Finally, I reached them. What is it? What happened? I said as I burst through them. Then I saw it. It was a young boy, dead, maybe ten or eleven. His skin had been shredded to pieces. Then it looked as if he had been bitten by something on his arm. I went to kneel beside him when a woman screamed at me. Don't you go near him! What? I said, confused. When I stood back up, I noticed every single person staring at me. They all looked terrified. I thought it was because I looked dirty and maybe a little crazy emerging from the woods like that. But then the woman pointed at me. You! It was you! I put up my hands defensively. Wait a second, what are you... I stopped speaking when I looked at my hands. They were covered in blood. I looked down at the rest of me. Blood all over me. So much blood. I touched my lips. Blood. How had I not noticed this before? The crowd began to surround me. Now, don't get any bright ideas, lady, a man said. Miss Jane here has already called the cops and they're on their way. Easy now. He moved closer along with a few other men. I slowly began to back up. I didn't know what to do. Should I run? Or wait for the cops to explain myself? But what was there to explain? I was just as confused as anyone. They moved closer and closer. I was just about to start running when... Suddenly, something inside me clicked. I felt different. Stronger. Taller. 
vicious, and hungry. A younger woman pointed at me and screamed. Oh my god, look, she's changing. What the fuck? I looked down at my arms, and the rash was now covering every inch of them. I ran my tongue over my teeth, razor sharp. My fingernails were replaced with claws. I let out a low growl. The crowd all began to back up in fear. I knew I couldn't let them get away. I lunged at the first man I saw and tore through him like butter. Then the next woman. Her blood tasted sweet. The rest tried to run, but I was much too fast for them. One by one, I went on my rampage, tearing through flesh and bones of every single person there. Not one single person left alive. When I was done, I took a few deep breaths, and I felt like myself again. But when I looked down at my hands, the claws and the rash still remained, my teeth still sharp, and my voice still demon-like. I turned around to see the bloodbath I had just created. Nothing but piles of flesh and bone covered in blood and scattered all over the baseball field. I heard sirens in the distance, so I took off running. I was able to make it back home before anyone else saw me, thankfully. When I made it inside, I peeled off my blood-soaked clothes and headed into the bathroom. I looked at myself in the mirror for the first time. I was in awe of what stood before me. It was me, but I had grown to seven feet tall, with large muscles covering my whole body. My fingers jetted out long cloths, and in my mouth, large sharp teeth to match. And my eyes were glowing red. And of course the rash. It was never a rash at all. It was my new skin. Looking at myself in the mirror, I remembered. I remembered everything. It was a few months ago when Jason was in the shower. My phone was dead, so I grabbed his to look up the website of a restaurant we were thinking about going to later. He got a text, so without really thinking about it, I pulled it up. To my shock, it was a naked picture of Ashley. At first I thought it might have been a mistake, but then another text came in. This will be waiting for you tomorrow night, Jason. Kissy face emoji. I began shaking, and I could feel my heart beating out of my chest. I heard him turn the water off, so I quickly deleted the picture and put his phone back on the table. Uh, I'm gonna run to the store real quick, I called out, and left before he could answer. I drove straight to the nearest liquor store and bought two bottles of vodka. I had drank over half of the first one before returning to his place. Whoa, Nikki, you, you feeling okay? He said as he moved in closer. I pulled away. Uh, I'm fine. Just feeling a migraine coming on. I think I'll go lie down for a while. I stumbled into his bedroom and shut the door. Then I drank the rest of the vodka and fell asleep. That night was my first nightmare. I awoke to Jason violently shaking me. Nicole, you're having a nightmare. Wake up. Shit. Sorry, baby. I didn't mean to wake you up. Maybe it was the vodka, or maybe it was just the shock I felt, but when I woke up, 
I had completely forgotten what I had seen. I had blocked it out of my memory. The following morning was when I first noticed the rash. So then, it was me. It had been me all along. I was the murderer. I had become the monster inside of me. And I couldn't help but grin. Because I was beginning to grow hungry again. And I knew exactly who my next prey would be. I looked at the clock. It was 9.15. Ashley should just be getting there now. I couldn't wait to find out what they tasted like. Midnight Horror was created by Rachel Craig. Theme song done by Daniel Carl with additional music done by Kevin McLeod. Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Midnight Horror. You can also follow us on Twitter at Midnight Horror spelled M-I-D-N-I-T-E. Thank you so much for listening. Give us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think. Ever since I was a child, I took a liking to the dark and sinister side of things. And now, I want to share my nightmares with you. So pull up a chair, turn out the lights, and let the terrors overtake you. Welcome to Midnight Horror. A Spark Ignored Story by Laurie Snyder. Story edited by Eddie Zeno. And narrated by Rachel Craig. Barry Tolazan, age 11, retrieved a match from the box he kept under his bed. With a practice stroke, he ran the head of the match along the side of the box. The match hissed, then flared into a bright, dancing yellow flame with a bluish center. Barry watched, fascinated as the tiny blaze consumed the wooden matchstick. Just before the curling fire reached his fingers, he blew it out, drew out another match, and repeated the process. How bright the flame was! It made the shadows on the wall of Barry's bedroom leap and flicker like dancers in a tribal ritual. Barry, are you in bed? called his stepfather. Don't make me come in there! As Barry heard footsteps heading to his room, he shook out the match, tossed it into the trash can by his bed, and hid the box under the covers that he pulled up to his chin. The bedroom door opened. Barry lay very still, and the door closed. That was a close call. His stepfather caught him once playing with matches and told him if he ever caught him again, he would take the belt to him. Barry opened his eyes and looked out the window at the dark trees that were softly illuminated in the quiet, peaceful night by the streetlight on the corner. As he watched the shadows wave gracefully on the road that ran alongside his house, Barry reflected on his relationship with his father, Frank Clayton. Although Daddy Frank wasn't mean to Barry, the truth was he rarely acknowledged him. In fact, sometimes Barry felt invisible. If his father didn't want to talk to him, he would ignore him until Barry gave up and went away. 
Not so with his little five-year-old half-sister Lily. Daddy Frank always had time for his princess tiger Lily. He completely doted on her. She could do anything and not get into trouble. Barry thought about his little sister. She was a sweet little girl, usually. Barry liked her okay. It's just that she always tattled on him, and when she wasn't tattling, she was always in his business. If she did something wrong and he was there, or if she didn't get her way and started to cry, he was the one that got punished because he was the older brother and should know better. It's not fair, he thought as he punched the pillow beneath his head. Then he thought about his mother. She was the only one who seemed to really care about him. Sometimes she sensed Barry's loneliness and would often pack an extra cookie or some other treat in his lunch to cheer him up. She would sometimes come into his room when Daddy Frank wasn't home to talk to him and tell him how much she loved him, how proud she was of him. She always was so interested in what he did. But when his stepfather came home, she had to pay attention to her husband. Barry remembered that before she married his Daddy Frank, she would read to him and tuck him into bed and listen to his prayers. She hardly ever did that anymore. Barry rolled over and looked at a photo that sat on his nightstand of himself as a very little boy. He was holding hands with a man with a broad, happy face. Barry barely remembered his real father, but he remembered being picked up and tossed into the air until he was giggling so hard he could barely breathe. He remembered going to the park and being pulled in a wagon. All that stopped when his father died tragically in a car accident when Barry was only four years old. Barry rolled over and faced the bedroom wall. It was dark in his room and quiet. Barry closed his eyes and quickly drifted off to sleep. When Barry woke, it was still dark. His room seemed even darker than usual, the bed much narrower. As he sat up in complete darkness, he realized that he wasn't in his bed at all. Disoriented, Barry stood up before becoming aware of the fact that he was somehow outdoors. Although it was still nighttime, he could see that there were other people milling about. Some stood in small groups or in pairs, others just walked around not speaking to anyone. Who were these people? How did he get here? As he walked past each group, they turned and looked at him with dull disinterest, as if they saw him all the time. He walked up to an old grandmotherly woman sitting on a bench. Excuse me, ma'am, where am I? Barry asked. The woman looked up at Barry and eyed him curiously before stretching her mouth into a toothless smile. Where are you? Well, where do you want to be? <laughs> she cackled. I, I want to go home, said Barry, in a small voice, almost a whimper. Well, go home then. <laughs> laughed the old woman as she stood up and waved her arms. Barry backed away, bewildered from the crazy old woman. 
Why was that woman acting so strangely? Was she one of those homeless people that he was warned not to speak to? He looked around. The place seemed familiar and yet strange at the same time. Where was he? I want to go home, he sniffled. And suddenly he realized that he was standing in front of his own house. Or rather, where his house used to be. Now it was nothing but a smoldering ruin. Disbelieving, he slowly walked up to the charred remains of his home. As he stood there, a white SUV pulled into the driveway. A man he had never seen before got out and walked up to what was left of the living room, took out a clipboard and began taking notes. A few minutes later, Barry's stepfather drove up. As he got out of the car, Barry could see the stricken look upon his face. Although Daddy Frank had never been particularly kind to him, Barry truly felt sorry for him. He walked over to his stepfather and touched his sleeve. Dad, he said, what, what happened to the house? Daddy Frank ignored him and walked up to the stranger. How, how did the fire start? Barry's stepfather could barely get the words out. The man walked over to the far end where the house used to be. There was nothing left but charred bricks and timbers. It appears that it started over here in this room, said the man. Apparently it started in a trash can and spread to the curtains. It went out of control from there. <gasps> My room, thought Barry. The matches... No, that last match wasn't put out completely. Oh, no. His stepfather was going to kill him for sure. Barry thought for a split second of running away, but... He would miss his mother too much. Mother! Mother, where was she? Lily! Is she with mother? Barry looked over at his stepfather, who had collapsed in front of what was once their front door. Barry sat down next to him. He had never seen anyone so distraught. With the exception of Lily and sometimes his mother, Daddy Frank never seemed to show much emotion. Seeing him now like this was... Frightening. Dad, said Barry in a small voice. Dad, where's Mom? Without looking at him or saying a word, Daddy Frank stood up and walked slowly to the car and got in. Silently, Barry climbed into the back seat. Daddy Frank isn't even looking at me, Barry thought. He's treating me like I'm invisible. He must be so mad at me. As they drove on, Barry wondered where they were headed and if his mother and little sister were going to be there. A few minutes later, they pulled up in front of the city hospital and turned into the parking garage. Barry realized, with horror, what this meant. Mom and Lily got hurt in the fire. Miserably, Barry dropped his head in his hands at the realization cold and foul washed over him it's it's all my fault he thought they would never forgive him he would never forgive himself no wonder daddy frank was so mad at him his stepfather got out of the car and walked down the parking garage ramp but just before he reached the hospital entrance 
he stopped, dropped his head, and began sobbing. Barry walked to where he was standing. Dad, he said softly, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't know. I know I shouldn't have been playing with matches like you said. Please talk to me and tell me what happened. I don't remember anything. Daddy Frank said nothing and walked through the automatic doors of the hospital entrance. The hiss of the doors sliding open and closed was jarringly loud in the silence. Once inside, they got on the elevator. In the excruciating hush that surrounded him, Barry watched the buttons by the elevator door blink on and off until they reached the third floor. They got off the elevator and walked down a dimly lit, antiseptic-smelling corridor to a room halfway down the hall. As Barry walked in the room, he stopped dead at the terrible thing he saw before him. There, in a hospital bed, lay his sister, Lily, with all kinds of tubes coming from her nose, mouth, and right arm. Next to her was a machine that hissed and thumped rhythmically. Poor Lily, Barry thought. I did this. What if she dies? The tears that Barry had been fighting since he got in the car floated out of him, and he began to cry. There was a slight rap at the door, and a doctor wearing a crisp white coat entered. Without acknowledging either Barry or Daddy Frank, he walked over to Lily and looked down at the chart he was carrying. He checked Lily's vitals on the monitor next to the bed and carefully lifted one of Lily's eyelids. Dr. Lyles, said his stepfather, stepping over to Lily's bed and putting his hand on her head. My Lily. He choked and couldn't finish his sentence. The doctor turned to where Daddy Frank was standing and smiled. Well, I have good news, Mr. Clayton. Although Lily suffered some smoke inhalation, her vital signs are strong. We have her heavily sedated right now to keep her comfortable. But the worst of it is over, and I expect her to fully recover. It was really lucky that you got her when you did. The outcome could have been so much worse. Barry's stepfather began to weep uncontrollably. Worse. Oh, my baby. Lily, thank God. Barry stopped crying and walked over to Lily's side and remorsefully touched her hand. Lily, I'm... I'm so sorry I was mad at you. I'm sorry I got you hurt. I, I promise to be a really good big brother from now on. Frank, said a voice. It was Miss Sullivan, their next-door neighbor. Barry liked her. She and Mother were good friends, and sometimes when his mother and Daddy Frank were out, she would babysit him and Lily. She was really nice to him, and best of all, she would sometimes tell him interesting things that she remembered about his father. Daddy Frank ran over to her and took her hands in his. "'Lily's going to be all right,' he said. "'But, but Helen, she—' He stopped and began weeping again. Helen? That was Barry's mother's name. Where's Mom? Barry cried. Why isn't she here? I know it's tragic, said Mrs. Sullivan, as she steered Daddy Frank to the small sofa near Lily's hospital bed. But 
Helen did what any mother would do. She saw smoke coming from Barry's room and ran to save her little boy. The smoke and flames were... They were just too much for her. What was Mrs. Sullivan saying? Is mother in the hospital too? Barry strode over to Daddy Frank and Mrs. Sullivan and screamed at the top of his lungs. Where's mom? He was not going to be ignored any longer, so he screamed again. Tell me where she is! I'm here, Barry, said his mother softly, touching his shoulder. Barry looked up. Oh, Mom, Mom, I'm so sorry. I didn't know the match was still lit. I didn't mean to burn the house down. I, I didn't mean to hurt Lily. He threw his arms around his mother's waist and buried his head. Just her being there made him feel so much better. I promise never to play with matches ever again, he sobbed softly. I know, said his mother gently. It was a terrible accident. Everything's going to be all right now. She took Barry's hand in hers and squeezed it. Now, it's time to leave. As they turned to walk out the door, Barry looked over his shoulder at Lily and Daddy Frank and asked, Will we come back tomorrow? Dad is so angry with me. I know he will never forgive me. <laughs> Who says I will never forgive you? said a laughing voice. Barry looked behind his mother and saw a man. He immediately knew him. He knew that broad, smiling face and somehow his voice. He was the man holding his hand in the picture on his nightstand. D-Dad? stammered Barry, puzzled. But-but you're... Then... Barry knew. He realized why Daddy Frank didn't speak to him after the fire. He realized where he was when he woke up earlier this evening. He also happily realized that he would never be ignored ever again. Finally, he understood that he was going to spend the rest of eternity with his mother and his real father. As he turned to gaze euphorically at his parents, his mother took one hand, and his father the other. It's time to go, he said, as a light brighter than any flame engulfed them. Midnight Horror was created by Rachel Craig and is an Evil Kitten production. Theme song is done by Daniel Carl with additional music by Kevin Cloud. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Midnight Horror Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Midnight Horror 
Midnight spelled M-I-D-N-I-T-E. If you listen to us on iTunes, please give us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. And finally, if you like the show, help us grow by liking, sharing, and subscribing to Midnight Horror. Thank you for listening. <laughs>